Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CoinPass podcast. I am your host, Jeff Hancock, and on this podcast, we talk about crypto, blockchain, trading, investing, and business. Joining me today for a really great topic is uh, Rob Gaskell from Apphold, and today we're talking about blockchain projects and traditional finance. Uh, Apphold is an emerging technology and advisory company based in the UK, uh, with a focus assisting emerging technology firms expand their business through strategic management, investment groups seeking returns with emerging emerging technology sectors and corporates and institutions looking to Im- utilize and implement new tech. Uh, Rob is a founder and partner of Apple. He's an investor and an advisor in emerging technology with 28 years experience uh, running and expanding uh, financial organizations. He's a board member of the Blockchain Center in Lithuania and a board advisor for the wealth app Superfin. And before setting up Apphold, uh, Rob was a co-founder of 2030 and the president of the Pillar Project, as well as working with large, independent, multi-service family offices uh, and also a specialist in asset management focused on the hedge fund industry. Rob, welcome to the CoinPass podcast. Great to have you. So much, Jeff. Pleased to be here. And uh, I suppose, Rob, just reading through your kind of background, what you've done in the past, uh, Apple, 2030, Superfin, and obviously all the projects you're working on right now, uh, what really made you made you made the jump from financial organizations, family offices, and, and asset management over to blockchain and crypto? It sounds like you already had your hands full to begin with. Yeah, those are all fascinating in- industries. I really enjoyed working in those industries. But, you know, the, the technology has always been something I've been interested in all, all areas of financial technology and uh, emerging technology on a general scale have always interested me. So for me, uh, I just wanted to focus uh, on that and how that could be, um, how those industries could be grown and how those industries could, uh, those technologies could go into industry rather than working for an industry and adopting those technologies. Mm. Uh, it's something we, we picked up on in our last podcast with Jason from uh, Venray as we were talking not just about emerging tech but also talking about you know we're an emerging asset class as well we've had property mm-hmm. bonds stones equities for for literally hundreds of years and what we're building now is not just an infrastructure but an entirely new asset class for for other people to come and join um, and let's kind of kick off I mean I mean since March of this year 2020 we've seen you know an incredibly turbulent time uh, with mm-hmm. pandemic with COVID-19 and we've seen it affect many businesses and people in different ways. I mean, what is, in your opinion, um, some of the effects of COVID that's been on, say, business growth um, on the blockchain and crypto space, and also how that affects some of their their fundraising attempts? Sure. So, I mean, just to explain to some of the listeners, obviously, that uh, the the coronavirus, COVID-19, has many different names has caused the world to reassess how it works which is really interesting because i've been a big advocate of uh, you know efficient ways of working and uh, using digital technology but what we're seeing is an acceleration of that digital uh, adoption and that digital adoption of different forms of technology will drag along when you ask me uh, is there increasing use of things like blockchain or are there increasing use of these new digital assets and asset classes and so on? The answer is yes, because all areas of technology and digitization is being looked at and being adopted at a much faster rate due to the fact that the way people work, the way people interact with each other as humans is changing. 
And I suppose in that kind of respect for those, you know, when we talk about business growth specifically, and I suppose like you mentioned, the, the adoption of that kind of technology, is it, you know, retail market that's going to help push that forward? So people using a retail product like the way they work now. So Zoom is obviously taken off massively. We're talking on mm -hmm. Zoom right now. Mm -hmm. Is it more retail adoption that helps push that growth? Or is it, can it be, you know, the, the, the investing and capital going into those businesses to help them grow? Which one's kind of more important? Well, certainly a lot of investment has switched, uh, investment areas have switched to look at, are you going to survive through this period? Are you going to uh, take a, take a solution that can grow very rapidly like a zoom or like a, like a, a pure B2C type B2B or business to business or business to customer type solutions. And those are driving adoption. Uh, contactless systems, uh, work from home solutions, um, all the you know, payment solutions, these sorts of things are again getting faster and faster at adopting. And we will see that happening more and more. And also people are looking as well to, with economic uncertainty, I would say there is a, there is a, a small, uh, definitely an uptick as we've seen the cryptocurrency prices increase with Bitcoin nearly at 12,000 or hovering around there. Mm. Ethereum going to nearly $400, $12,000 on Bitcoin. These, there's more money that's coming into the space. Um, DeFi projects and other decentralized finance projects and others are all things that are seen as happening recently. You know, more things are coming recently because of this um, understanding that there is going to be a new way of working. Mm. And this is being driven, as you said, by um, retail customers, customers, and the, the, the guys, people on the street, you know, people on the street that are looking to consume these services, looking for new ways yeah. of uh, interacting, investing. Mm. This is an interesting phenomenon we're going through right now. Nobody has the magic, uh, you know, crystal ball to understand yeah. what is actually going to happen because we're in a very strange dynamic. Right and just like you say that strange dynamic and i suppose people being at home and being cut off from you know their family their normal lifestyle it's causing them to now you know deploy their time in some different ways now some people are capitalizing on that massively and you know catch up on reading i know my reading has definitely caught up a lot from where it was you know this time last year uh, you know, going out social interaction wise, you know, going out and, you know, uh, spending, you know, maybe higher luxury money than, than people were really, uh, you know, knew what they were doing. And suddenly by either having their economics change, their, their situation change, uh, having a bit of excess money, they are looking at some of these investing opportunities. But I suppose, uh, like you say, that economic pivot that no one in our generation has gone through before, or even maybe the last generation has gone through before, something of this scale is um, hedging against regular fiat currency, hedging against money printing, yeah. hedging against um, almost in a anti-government sort of way on protecting one's wealth uh, or, you know, taking more of a you know, professional look or more of a, you know, um, not just dipping a toe, but really uh, you know, deploying some of their, their, their savings uh, into this emerging asset class, uh, whether it's volatility, whether it's protection, whether it's uh, trust. You know, there are choice out there on these other kind of platforms. And, you know, where do you think this kind of, uh, this capital can kind of grow from? Do you think it's more retail flow that, that can happen to help it grow? Or do you think eventually more professional capital and more institutional capital will take notice and take it seriously to, to jump on board, specifically in DeFi and, and crypto? 
I think we've we've always hoped that a lot of institutional money would come into the crypto space. I think I think that's still still has to happen. It's not happened on a large scale yet. Mm. We we the the crypto market has been mainly driven by retail um, for in history. What we are seeing now, though, with um, DeFi, DeFi is very interesting. Um, it's currently if you look at it as a total asset class, it's sitting at about four and a half billion dollars right now. Um, companies like uh, Compound and others, they're getting up to nearly a billion in, 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 in assets. And what some of these companies are doing, just to give some of the listeners an idea of what, what these are, they could be lending platforms, interest platforms. So, you know, if you know that at your bank right now, you're pretty much getting zero interest on your current account, but then there's a way of earning four, six, seven percent, uh, you know, de depending on the risk profile of the, some of those decentralized finance projects, but you could actually earn some interest on it. People are starting to look at that and you're starting to see that because money has come into, started to come into that space. And, and yeah, if, if, you, if you look at the general asset class and, and the, where it is, one of the big announcements we had recently is that banks in America a lot of cryptocurrency is driven by American and Chinese markets, but uh, America is a big driver of crypto. Um, but American banks are now allowed to custody crypto assets. Yeah, and that was a big announcement, and you will see a, a big rush, like a gold rush, to that. Mm. And that will again bring in retail, but also I think will drag in more sophisticated investors and some institutional investors. Yeah, in uh, because of the credibility around it, and this is the thing we challenged. We've, we've had a big challenge in this space around credibility and trust. And when we, people say to me, look, I, I quite like the idea of this cryptocurrency. I understand that, that some, some of the economic models around that have been created for specific cryptocurrency. I like it. But if I buy it, how do I look, how do I look after it? If I, if, I, if I put more, if I put a percentage of my wealth into this, how do I safeguard it? You know, and it comes down to trust and other issues. And if you have trustworthy companies with um, that are, uh, you know, attached to maybe banks and institutions that uh, that you can trust in the market, then obviously more people will come in, more institutions will come in. Mm. And I think with having, like they say, like that, that center of trust, you know, while crypto can allow you to self custody, allow you to be your own bank, uh, that's actually not for everybody. And there are multiple different facets of crypto and Bitcoin specifically. We talk about Bitcoin just for a second is it can be used as payment. It can be used as, you know, banking the unbanked, anyone with a mobile, um, mm. uh, which more than more than half of the world's population now uh, can have some sort of wallet in order to transact with other people. You're not using a central authority. You can be uh, completely peer to peer. And that's great for the people that want to use it that way. For the people that just want to speculate on it, you can do that as well. But doing it, like you say, in a trustworthy way, you start to almost go down a rabbit hole sometimes of, you know, informing people and answering their question and mm. you get down to block mining and mining rewards and 21 million. And, you know, all <laughs> of that stuff is not important to the average person on the street. The average person on the street wants to be you know, secure in their wealth. They want to, you know, uh, outpace inflation um, and investing small amounts over time in, I suppose, any asset class, whether it's your pension, your SIP, crypto uh, is obviously a proven way to do that. And 
with having banks doing custody, banks are going to need somewhere to execute. They're going to need somewhere to uh, to on ramp these funds and to access mm. these funds. And mm-hmm. some of the you know regulated um, regulated uh, exchanges or or people that have those relationships uh, is obviously a very clear choice for these banks in order to execute and trade with. So it's kind of almost a, a winner for everyone now that the space is kind of maturing and growing up a little bit, which I think is awesome. Um, I suppose. Yeah, I, mean, I, w- I would say on that that the maturing is something we are seeing, and, and I am glad we're seeing mm. some of the. I'd say the uh, sort of the, the the companies in this in our space that um, uh, there's been a, a there's been a, a, a sort of a selection that's gone through, hasn't there? So mm. some companies have gone by the wayside. Some exchanges that weren't very well put together have disappeared. Other companies are still small companies are trying to get in, but some of the bigger companies in our space are becoming established. Um, the biggest and most prominent one and newsworthy right now is Coinbase with its over eight billion valuation mm. on a potential IPO that it wants to uh, wants to go through. Um, that is a significant news item for the space because it also brings interest to mm. it because people are saying, "Well, hang on, there must be a company here that can make." significant revenues out of this if they yep. can make revenues out of it then that's something we should look to invest in definitely and, and it just creates a cycle and we want yeah. all these companies to be successful to to create a better no i couldn't agree more and was, more and more robust uh, industry so as far as just on that you know from your point of view and what you've seen what you've experienced on you know the uh, on the fundraising side on the project side and obviously the infrastructure as well uh, who do you feel are some of the biggest maybe winners and biggest losers in the space right now uh and what are you kind of um what are you keeping your eye on well winners definitely are um that have re- received investments and so on and uh, support so things like custodians you've seen that mm. on the crypto side haven't they? so definitely yep. i would say some of the bigger custodians have uh, done quite well exchanges obviously are still doing well because they're still making serious money and they're getting investment um you know, other winners you would talk about are things like the blockchain advisors you know the uh, because it's quite a complicated industry there are a, a number of incumbent advisors but also new advisory companies being set up that's doing quite well specialists because corporates are starting to embrace just the technology not not the cryptocurrency side so much but just more exactly, the blockchain yeah. technology so I'd say those are definitely the winners, the service providers. Losers, um, if you're going to go into look at the other side, you know, some of the promise around tokenization hasn't really come through. We would, we did assume when I was involved in projects in the past that there would be a this year would be a big year for security tokens and tokenization of assets. It hasn't really been that. There's been a there's been a sort of a break on that. And I still think it's going to happen, but it's just it's happening at a slower pace than I, I thought. So I would call that a loser because we didn't really get the uh, the big in, big oh. uptake that we thought we would get. And I think also losers where you, you've got, as I mentioned, some of the exchanges that are out there that are unregulated exchanges and um, others that have trust issues. They'll eventually just filter away. Um, you know, the the more the regulated, the better processes, the more trust you can have around the cryptocurrency space, the more the more adoption the companies will get bigger. So those are the, the winners, that, but the losers are the ones that don't follow that model. 
right. think that they need to sit outside of the government model or the banking model. They just struggle to really grow. Right. And what are you specifically kind of keeping your eye on at the moment? So Apple itself is looking at the, um, the the clients it has are all clients that we think have got growth strategies. They all have customers. They all have um, the ability to make revenue from the industries. And, and certainly the four customers we have in the blockchain and cryptocurrency space are all I see on a, on a growth curve. And so what we're looking for is any interesting companies that are making revenues that are um, you know, have a product in a space in a niche in an area of technology that we think is going to grow uh, alongside the industry grind. And so it's really interesting you just mentioned that around revenues, around growth. You know, uh, what do you think is the main problem for maybe a startup or someone in the space uh, in their growth? Is it uh, implementation of the tech? Or do you feel it's the adoption of that said tech? Well, certainly if you build a technology that is a business-to-business -business technology, and we've got a couple of clients that have got business-to-business -business solutions, it, it, it can be very hard to implement. And one of the problems we've seen with the recent um, pandemic issue with the slowness of a slowdown in certain sectors of business is the adoption of some of these technologies. If you have to work with a tech team in a large institution to implement your technology, I've heard anecdotally that there are some issues with that in terms of the the speed of adoption because of coordination issues when teams are working in a we're all working from home this this is a problem because it means it's you're you're not as fast to revenue as you were before mm. uh, and so and it certainly is a challenge i mean some if you're working with a big financial institution say and you've got a b2b product you know, the typical adoption times are 18 months to two years. Mm. It can take a long time. So you have to make sure you have the financial runway to be able to last that length of time to, to, to adopt these solutions. Right. So it can be quite a difficult uh, you know, journey to adopt, to get these people to get companies to adopt a blockchain technology or any type of emerging technology, artificial intelligence is the same. Mm. But uh, if you're going for a B2C, then you've got the um, challenge of getting your name out there and trust again with the community and customers and building that community of support to use your platform, use your solution, use your service, and you know, taking a considerable amount of time and effort to build up that customer base. You don't have the adoption necessarily issue that you would have with a b2b mm. so you almost get a bit of a chicken and egg there you have to invest very very quickly have the finance to do that uh break into your market and attain sales and attain exactly. name worthership uh and obviously like you say build trust um while crypto can create a, you know, a trustless layer between people to transact uh there's always still this you know, am i am i really getting what i'm paying for uh, which is obviously always a challenge. And in these times as well, with uh, you know, not having uh, you know, networking space, not having a, a, a stage literally to speak on, uh, mm -hmm. or be able to have that FaceTime with people, it becomes very, very difficult. And um, you know, let's, if we kind of, we wanted to fast forward, you know, maybe a year, two years from now, 
where you know we've come out of the back of the pandemic you know there's there's uh, you know, good uh, sentiment in the market and there's uh, you know better things happening right now what are some of the predictions or some of the forecasts for maybe some of the businesses you're working with uh, the market in general uh, and maybe you know some uh, some regulatory advances where do you see the uh, the space being in sort of two years from now in two years from now, we will certainly have regulatory certainty in most of the major markets. Right now, there is some element of uncertainty. Mm. It's becoming more certain, but there is some element of uncertainty. With that regulatory certainty, um, you will see some of the, the I'd say, medium-sized players, and that might even include your, your company, uh, Jeff, um, being one of the bigger players because obviously they have they've adopted companies like yours adopt those uh, regulatory uh, practices which builds that trust and brings in some of the institutional support who will only work with regulated companies mm. so my, my prediction in two years time we'll certainly have more regulatory certainty which will then bring in more uh, institutional money and larger investors and um, Blockchain adoption will be on a much bigger scale than it is right now. Uh, you're right. The, what people will or companies will interact with this technology, they won't necessarily know it's blockchain behind. Mm. I don't think that's important. So in a way, I actually hope people stop talking about blockchain and just move on to better ways of working for more efficient ways of working. Yeah, so talking. in two years' time, maybe you'll hear blockchain less, but you'll hear this sort of concept behind of shared data shared ledgers shared permission systems and permissionless systems maybe you'll hear more about that in two mm. years time but you will certainly see institutions um, with large-scale deployments and sharing information across blockchain uh, solutions in two years time uh, and that's a sentiment I share as well. I think as the tech develops, it's less about the buzzwords and more about either the user experience, um, how it works and how it improves, how mm. it cuts out fat. You know, we don't talk about, you know, even text messaging anymore or SMS because it's just, mm. I send, you know, I send a message to someone message, and now yeah. that message has multiple formats, whether it's across you know, an analog layer, which is still, you know, considered to be you know, relatively secure, depending if you have the physical device, but anything digital layer that requires some authentication, some login, some 2FA, except two, two form factor authentication, mm -hmm. uh, like a WhatsApp or you know, other types of messages. Uh, we're not just sending a message anymore. We, we get to kind of choose which avenue we, we, we want to do, but it's still essentially a message. Uh, we don't talk about text messages anymore. We don't talk about secure messaging anymore because by default, most messaging is secure, which is a really good mm -hmm. thing. And we'll mm -hmm. talk less about blockchain and we'll talk more about the experience that we get from it or, or the interoperability between businesses and data and, and data usage. And at that point, it's going to probably more about security and probably more about, um, you know, quality of data. And that's, yeah. where I, that's where I'm hoping that we go. And I think, um, you know, whether we could spiral the conversation into a, just another podcast on that alone. So I think it's a really uh, safe point at which to end the uh, end, end the podcast today. Um, I want to thank Rob again for, for coming on and, and sharing his insight from, uh, you know, your vast uh, background and wealth of experience and also uh, what you're doing uh, with your businesses now with Apple. I think it's, it's brilliant. Uh, some really, really big names on there. I'm really looking forward to seeing some great things from all of them. Uh, no pressure. Um, just one last thing about kind of what you're doing, what you're doing in the space and how people can get in touch with you, Rob. Sure. So um, yeah, the company is pretty easy to find on the web. It's apple.com. 
um, connect with me through LinkedIn, find me, uh, Robert Gaskell, Robert Gaskell at, uh, at Apple, pretty easy. My email, if you want to uh, email me, is uh, rob at apple.com, so pretty simple. Awesome. And uh, yeah, to anyone that might be listening out there, if you run a fintech business or a startup, you're involved in crypto and you'd like to be on the show one day, uh, drop us an email, uh, podcast at coinpass.com, uh, tweet at us at coinpass global. Uh, and uh, again, I want to thank my guest Rob for uh, for being on and sharing his time today. Uh, it's been a great experience. Uh, so uh, thank you very much, Rob. And to all our listeners, uh, stay, stay safe out there and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. All right, thanks.